Hello! Spooky. And welcome to episode 125 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler. Joined today with my fellow Fueligans, Leia Cake Pete. Hey, everybody. Leia Taco Phil. Hey, I thought we were going to kill those off. Nope. <laughs> and Jeremy, what kind of Leia do you want to be today? Um, I'll go with Ozone. Ozone Ooh. Leia. There's a big hole in some, you. Yeah, somewhere. some say that's the most important Leia. It, it, it protects all life. So, yeah. yes, certainly more important than Leia Cakes and Leia Tacos. <laughs> So guys, this is the day after Halloween as we record this. You guys have a good good time last night, trick-or-treating? I did. It was the first time I got to hand out candy in front of the house. Yeah? You're a real grown-up now. I, I feel like one. No, it's just because the statute of limitations had passed. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We're off the rails already. What about you, Pete? Did, did you take the, the young ladies out? We to, did. Yeah, yeah, so we had a, a lot of fun. One of the best parts of our adventure was one of the cul-de-sacs in our neighborhood they had a candy station and then they had a jello shot station oh well which i've really really noticed in the last few years probably five years halloween has become as much about the adults drinking as it is the kids i think so doing the trick-or-treating themselves which i'm in favor of for the record Mm -hmm. i'm all about what do you call it you call it trick or drink i call it trick or drinking yeah trick or drinking (laughs) oh I I, i I had this lady, I was telling Pete earlier, a lady came up, you know, her kids were taking uh, taking candy out of the bucket, and she got uncomfortably close to my ear and said, do you have any adult beverages? <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? I said, no, she creeped me out. <laughs> That's really well. So my, my um, story of Halloween is was one of unexpected tricks. So my 11-year-old son decided in his infinite wisdom, and I wasn't there, he'd gone off with some friends of ours on their golf cart around to to a party around the corner from my house so we get a phone call saying he'd hurt his wrist and i didn't know much about it so went around to see how he was doing his arm was immediately swelling up so he was wearing a costume that had a mask and a hat and as they were driving on the golf cart his hat blew off so he stood up and went to jump off and his older brother was right next to him said no sit down sit down and pull him back down he stood up again his brother pulled him back down again third time he just jumped off of the golf cart as it was moving and landed you know with his hands on the ground and so fractured his um, radial bone and his forearm is a compression fracture so we ended up taking him to the it wasn't the emergency room because that would have been a nightmare i'm sure on halloween but we went to an urgent care nearby there was no one in there it was excellent we were in and out had an x-ray had him put in a splint did all the paperwork paid the copay were back at my house in just over an hour from when the wow. incident happened so he ended up getting a chance to still trick or treat but we'd lost his his proper costume that he was wearing so we just threw a mask on him and he had a sling and he went from door to door and people were asking him was the sling part of the costume or not and he'd say no about 90 minutes ago i fell off a golf cart and broke my arm so everyone felt oh, really nice. sympathetic <laughs> for him so they, they you know give him one or two pieces of candy to start with and then when they heard the story they'd give him handfuls of candy <laughs> so he ended up making out like a bandit man he he got more candy than any of the other kids that would been there the whole time and more than he's ever collected in in 
ever in uh, trick or treating. So he said next year he's going to wear a sling. Just <laughs> so he can get more. Sounds like he knew what he was doing. Yeah. yeah. He he actually said towards the end of the night, he says, it's it's almost worth breaking my arm. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think you're going to yeah. think yeah. that tomorrow morning, right. buddy. But or Two yeah. weeks from now. But it all ended up okay. I got to have my... Uh, my adult beverage. Good. He got to get some candy, so it was good. Freak, his mom freaked out a little bit, so she she didn't have the best of times. But it was it was a good time had by most. Let's say that. But you're not here to hear about our Halloween festivities. You are here to hear about hotel marketing. And today we have a very special episode that Jeremy put together. It was based on a blog post that he wrote on our website fueltravel.com about how to drive sales. In, in campaigns during the off season. So some seven ideas that you can implement real easy. This is again, like a lot of our episodes, it's not exhaustive. It's, it's just getting you thinking and you kind of trying some new things and seeing how it works. Every property is different. Always be testing as Melissa likes to say, but you can certainly implement some of these with great effectiveness. But before we get into that, as always, what's going on in the news With hotel marketing that cannot lose. Now it's time for Newsaroos. All right, we got two Newsaroos. Phil has one and I have one. Uh, first one is on Search Engine Land, and the title is SEO Best Practices Support ADA Compliance for Digital Accessibility. And great mm-hmm. article. It's, uh, it's almost a how-to to make sure that, one, you're doing a great job from a search perspective, but also ticking all the boxes that are required for ADA compliance. Going through, for instance, making sure that you have proper alt text, making sure that your link anchor text is not just read more, read more, read more, read more, but it's more intuitive. So if it's a link to area attractions, the link says view area attractions instead of just a standard click here type button. And it goes through a litany of different things that you really need to be focusing on to serve your disabled guests, but also to do well in the search engines. So yeah, it's worth checking out. The, the, the way that Google and the other search engines index your content is, is very similar to the way a screen reader reads the content, right? They're, they're not really looking at it visually. They're kind of filtering through the HTML, the, the actual content of the site. And so those little attributes like alt tags on images or alt attributes, I should say, on images or alts on uh, links play a big part in helping both Google and the screen readers understand what the site is about. So, yeah, you should be doing this anyway. I mean, we've talked about this a lot on the show about it's it's the right thing to do to make your site accessible to folks that have struggles, you know, visual impairment or whatever it is, physical disabilities. So. Definitely, you should be adhering to ADA. If you don't, you're probably going to get a slap on the wrist from some kind of lawsuit. But it's doubly good because not only if you do apply these um, rules, then you're going to get more business because you know 10% of the population, in at least in North America, have some form of disability that you're you're excluding if you don't do this. Um, so not only are you going to get more business, but you're also going to get more visibility because you're, you're favored by the search engines. I got a question on this. So and you guys might know the answer, you might not. Um, I know we've been have, we've had a few clients that have had lawsuits against them for ADA compliance in one way or another. When those lawsuits come, do, does the property have time to fix the issue before they'd be fined or sued? Or how does no, that work? In, in the case where we've had 
suits filed against hotels that we're aware of. It's based on the date the <clears throat> alleged grievance took place. So if you're visiting the website and there's something out of compliance, that is what is being sued for. It's not a, oh, you've made it better, then we're all going to walk away. That's one of the things I think you really need to keep in mind when you're talking about ADA and more specifically WCAG 2.1 AA compliance is it is a snapshot. On a certain date when you review the website and everything passes compliance, you are compliant on that date. The next day, you may not be compliant. So it's it's not a you know, once and done type thing. We've had a lot of ADA compliance work done for clients a year ago, and we just start that process all over again, just auditing the site and making sure nothing's changed, either from the content team adding new content and forgetting to use your header tags appropriately, forgetting the you know metadata for images and whatnot, making sure that stuff is done on an ongoing basis because you don't know what is going to be a problem unless you actively looking into it yeah and, and it does depend sometimes because some of the letters you get aren't really a lawsuit they're a threat of a lawsuit right and they're really just fishing for you to settle out of court they you know they, they figure it's gonna be less hassle and less costly for you to write a check to them than it is to take to go to court and fight it so i think you know my advice to a lot of clients is you know this isn't it's like pete said this isn't something you just do and check off a list and then move on to the next thing this is an ongoing thing. You know, one of the things we've started offering to clients is an ongoing monitoring service. So it scans your website on a daily basis, and if you fall out of compliance, you get notified. So that's something that I think you you should do. In a lot of cases, you know, it, it's it's tough. It's not black and white. There's there's a lot of gray area in terms of what the legal position is related to ADA compliance. Because really, that that doesn't really mean anything. The Department of Justice has been kind of back and forth on that. There was a recent ruling against Domino's that, that kind of sets a good precedent. But ultimately, what what most experts will say is if you do adhere to WCAG 2.1 AA standards, you're probably okay. Like you can probably make an argument that you're doing what you can. But I think it's important to document that process. So whatever mm -hmm. you're doing, continue to document it and so you have evidence so if you do get taken to court then you have a body of evidence to say listen we've worked on this we're continuing to work on this it's not perfect but this is what we're doing and, and how we're going to um, deal with it and, and and typically i think you're not going to end up losing a court case if you're moving in that direction but i will say there's one big challenge that this industry faces and that's the booking engine environment because almost all booking engines and, and to, actually to my knowledge with the exception of the fuel booking engine there's not another booking engine out there that passes the WCAG standard when you do a scan. So, you know, the big guys like Synexus and Windsurfer and TravelClick, none of these guys are quote-unquote ADA compliant. So you can do all the work you want in your booking engine or on your website, but if your booking engine isn't compliant, then you're still at, at as much risk and you're still limiting the ability for people with disabilities to actually book your hotel. And, and I'll say this, and this, I think this is very, very important. If any system on your site is not compliant, you are the one that's going to be holding the bag. I've looked at the contracts for a lot of the other booking engine providers, and it is explicitly written in there that 
they are not responsible yeah, for. They're indemnified from any right. kind of damages that are claimed as a result of you yeah. using their software. So if you say you're wiping your hands of the issue because the booking engine is on a different domain, it shouldn't be, but it is, and you lead them to it, you are still the one responsible yeah. to ensure that your disabled guest can have that same or similar experience as a sounds like uh, sounds like everybody should have the fuel booking engine yeah everybody should but everybody also should just be thinking about ada compliance and making sure you're doing a good job by your guests right and and the thing is it's not easy to make everything ada compliant right it's it's a challenge We, we have a client that uses windsurfer as a booking engine and they've been pushing them to make it ada compliant they came back and said it's on our roadmap but it's going to be 2021 until we're completely in compliance. So in the meantime, if you want to be compliant, you can use this old version, this text version of our booking engine, which is a, a crappy user experience, but it you know, limits your risk in terms of ADA compliance. So you, you have a choice of crappy experience or potentially could ensue. Like those are bad choices. How about you switch to the fuel booking engine? And we'll cover, we're working on another. We've already done one podcast on ADA and GDPR. We have another one on the roadmap, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, you're working on that now, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, we have a second newsroom. We do. Uh, this one's from lodgingmagazine.com, uh, and they show some stats that uh, RevPAR growth continues to flourish for independent hotels. Um, basically, what they're showing here is over the last five years, um, compared to flag properties or branded properties, as they refer to them in this, um, the independents are seeing an increase in RevPAR um, and an increase in ADR in comparison to, to the flags. Yeah, it, it's tough. You know, we talked about this a little bit when Stephanie was on the show last week about, you know, she's a brand expert and we were talking about how, you know, we we're obviously champions of independence because that's who we primarily work with. But it, it's tough to jump into the hospitality industry if it's your first property and go independent. Right, because there's so many things to think about from you know, from operations and rate management in sales, in marketing and all these things that the brands do a really good job of providing a playbook and a methodology and a process for you to get a lot of things done. But it comes at a cost, you know. So a lot of folks if, if you're new to the industry, just dipping your toe into hospitality for the first time, I think flag might be the way to go you know but if you're deeply passionate about being an innkeeper ultimately there's so many advantage advantages to being independent and having the agility and the and the freedom to do things the way you think hospitality should be done so yeah i'll, I'll go to my grave being a champion of independence but it's not always right for every scenario because the brands do provide some great support like opening your own pizza shop versus a Domino's. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or like Phil's Chicken versus Chick Fil A. Yeah. Oh well, it's never going to be as good as Chick Fil A. So no, true that. Um, right. There's some there's some great stats in this uh, in this article though. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll post those in the show notes so you can go check it out yourself. Yeah. So you can get those at fueltravel.com/podcast and click on episode 125. And you know what? I found out people actually read the show notes. Uh-huh. We got an email last week from someone that listens on a like a regular podcatcher, podcast catcher, and uh, I had two or three episodes ago, I'd forgotten to put the link to the show notes in the description that went out to the podcatcher, and so they emailed me and said, where are the show notes for this specific episode? So people are actually reading the, the show notes, so 
I went back and edited and published that. I think it was episode 122, maybe. That's awesome. Yeah, people pay attention. Makes you want to keep doing show notes and stuff like that. So yeah, and, if and you content. have things yeah. that you want us to keep doing, leave us reviews or let us know. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's. I still want to do have a love dog, episode. right? You keep giving us candy, and we'll keep doing whatever it yep. is you want. Um, so I think we have uh, a stat of the week. Is that right, Pete? We do. Let's talk to the robot in the corner of the room. All right, let's let's crunch the numbers. It looks like we do have a stat of the week. All right. <laughs> and this stat of the week is from hotelmarketing.com. It's an article that Expedia had put out. It says, chain hotels are 77% more likely to increase technology investments while independent counterparts are prioritizing room renovations. Mm. So that is interesting that the chains are really focusing on that technology, the booking engine, the online and technology experience during the check-in, the booking process, but also on-property process. I think both are really important. And, I mean, from my perspective, I'd much much rather have the room renovation. Yeah, and I think that's what it is, right? The the brands are having to compete against each other and and, and innovate and and show some kind of unique value proposition that the others don't so that they can attract more people to to their brand. But I think independents have it right because they're focused exclusively on the guest right and the guest experience and and I'd, i would certainly argue that the comfort cleanliness the setup of the room is probably more important than the check-in process not that the check-in process is not important but i think ultimately the room it probably trumps all other things so technology is great you should absolutely be investing in technology you should absolutely be investing in the room but ultimately where your dollars should be prioritized is what's going to have the biggest impact on the guest experience and I would say when you're thinking about your 2020 budgets, it's not an either or. You need to have the right mix of technology investment and room investments because mm-hmm. you don't want to say, I'm not going to mess with my technology for two, three years to the point where you're so far out of the loop that yeah. you know, you're in bad shape. And you don't want to do the same thing for your room and not have any upgrades. So just constantly you know, make that list of what is getting old and replace it and yeah. move forward. But but it, only if it's you know old and, and has is having an impact. We still have I wanna say six properties left that are on the the first PMS we ever integrated with for our booking engine back in nineteen ninety four was a product called Guestmate. And this is a pre DOS. So if you're young, so I'm looking at you, Jeremy, you don't, probably don't even know what DOS is, right? Nope. So before Windows was an operating system, there was this black screen where you typed everything in. There was no drag and drop, no clicking. But the operating system that computers ran on was called DOS. Before that, there was a, a couple of different things, and one of them was called BOS, B O S. So we have a PMS that still runs on the BOS operating system that six massive hotels, like two, 300 unit hotels, are running this as their PMS. It's a green screen PMS, and it runs fine. And you know what? The interface to that is probably more stable than any of the web service interfaces we have That's for our booking so engine. Right. So, you know, do they need to invest? Probably eventually, because that company's shrinking, and and at some point will probably not exist anymore. So you don't want to be left with a PMS that can't be supported. But you know, people have probably been telling them for 10, 20 years that they should have updated their PMS, and they're doing just fine. Doesn't in effect, doesn't adversely affect the guest. So you know, you got to be uh, d- discerning of what to update and what impact it's going to have. Don't update to update, and but do it for I, impact. I think this is uh, just another 
go go look at your reviews read your reviews if you're seeing hey you know a lot of people are having a problem with cleanliness or how old and dirty the place is maybe yeah. you should invest your marketing dollars into right. renovating rooms or if you know the ease of your check-in process is you know a big point of contention maybe you should invest in your technology so look at your feedback and just and then prioritize what, how you should be spending your money yeah if people are talking about the blood on the mattresses it's probably time to get new mattresses <laughs> you know we did just see a photo of that. Yeah, that was why it was top of mind. <laughs> Alrighty, so that's kind of the housekeeping stuff. Let's jump into the topic. So, Jeremy, you want to kind of give us an intro to this, seeing as it was your blog that we're basing this on? Sure. So, we're in that time of year, especially for a lot of our clients, where you know it's getting to the off season and they're getting out of their high season, and so trying to figure. So, hoteliers are trying to figure out ways to promote sales or increase occupancy. So this episode is going to look at eight ways. Oh, you added one. Yeah, we added one. <coughs> I didn't even see the eight. Yeah, this is an Surprise. ode to Melissa. Melissa will be happy with yeah. eight, not seven. Eight ways that hotels can promote sales during the off-season. Cool. So, and using every platform that you can, like email, paid search, social, uh, SEO, and, you know, website content. All the things. Everything. Yeah. Omni-channel, one might say. That's for <laughs> Melissa as well. <laughs> All right, so we want to jump right in to number one, 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 one. So number one, we'll start with creating the right content. So making a plan to create content that highlights amenities or services at your hotel or property um, that is off-season friendly and promoting that um, content. So are you talking like if you're in a beach destination, you should probably be featuring your indoor pool right now? Right. Gotcha. And I think this kind of also leads into look at what's going on around your property and why people might be traveling to your area. If you have big festivals, events, shows that are happening during your off-season months, um, you need to target people who are looking to attend those events and get them to stay with you rather than your competitors. Yeah, I think there's one thing that, I don't know if it's really on the, the list here, but before you even start <clears throat> that content process, Phil, what you touched on, there's a reason that you're going into an off season. It's not as popular as a time as, you know, for Myrtle Beach, let's say, summer. But look at the businesses in your area that are thriving in your off seasons and try to capitalize on that with your content and make sure that you're incentivizing people to come to your area for what is ideal at that given time. Right. So using Myrtle Beach as an example, obviously the number one draw is the beach, right? There's 60 miles of beautiful white sandy beaches. But, you know, from, you know, October onwards, the temperature drops and it's not like you want to hang out in your bikini peat on the, on the beach, right? So, because I know you like to rock the bikini <laughs> as I'm rocking the Speedo. <laughs> <laughs> so this time of year, if people don't want to hang out on the beach. They might want to go walk on the beach. They might want to go collect seashells or look for shark's teeth, stuff like that. But they're probably coming here for another reason. It might be an event, like you were saying. It might be that they want to go shopping. They might be coming to play golf, you know, to eat at the great restaurants there's a lot of reasons or just because it's not as crowded as in summer yeah you know, there's just, a lot of reasons they come you want to document that stuff because you'll need to know that as you're going through these eight steps because every one of them is about hitting people when they want with, yeah. with what they need to visit your property yeah and if you're not sure about that you know the best thing and this is one of the most underutilized um, things in marketing is talk to your guests have a conversation with them. the ones that are coming in off season 
why are they coming? What was it that drew them now and not in the summertime? Maybe they came in the summer as well, but what is it that appeals to them about making the booking again for October or November? So we done with one? We are. All right. Two, 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 two. So number two, updating imagery across your website. So it may, you know, an, an idea could be swapping out images that are on your website of peak season activities or amenities and so forth and using images like that are a little more off-season friendly like we spoke about in indoor pool or something. Mm -hmm. People enjoying your indoor pool or something or your off-season friendly amenities. So maybe not the uh, bathing suit, Pete in his bikini yeah, on the Pete beach. Yeah, Pete in his bikini probably wouldn't That's be good. Maybe, That's maybe. That's <laughs> maybe that is beyond off-season. Uh, but maybe um, a golfer in pants enjoying some sunny, you know, sunny days out on the golf course, something that, you know, they're here to do and it is more reflective of the time. Exactly. And going even beyond that, look at who that audience is and make sure that your photography is speaking to them from a generational perspective. So if you know, in, in Myrtle Beach, for instance, we have a lot of snowbirds who will come down for several months at a time. That's not the time to show, you know, the kids in the pool necessarily. You want to adjust your demographic a little you bit. You should bingo. Yeah, sure. So old people with blue rinses yeah. playing bingo. Yeah, totally. Anyway, that was two. Number three, remarket your email database. So there's nothing more important than actually going or <coughs> targeting people that are already familiar with your property and tailoring an email campaign that invites your past guests, past guests with maybe lowered rates or a loyalty package, and even finding out you know, why your guests had visited maybe during the off-season already and creating a campaign based off of that. So um, this kind of falls into uh, what we talk about often of the anniversary email. So to send someone a, uh, a deal or a special or an email just to say, hey, we'd love to have you back this year. So say they stayed during the off-season last year. This is when you remarket to them, reach back out, and say, hey, are you, are you planning on coming again this year? You know, Here are our rates. Here's what everything that you can be doing at this time. Yeah, and I think also looking at the database and, and segmenting on geography, right? So if, if you know someone's become in the summertime a few times but never been in the off-season, but you know they live within a you know 100-mile radius, that would be perfect to send them a message to tell them why. Like, learn from talking to other guests why people want to come in the off-season and educate them and say, hey, come and stay in the off-season. We know you've been in the summer before, but you can enjoy, like you said, better rates, and this is why people choose to come at this time of year. And sh show them. You know, I think we've, we talked before about in infusing your emails with um, real authentic photography of actual guests. So using a platform like Flip2, which we talk about a lot on the show, to the point where one of the owners recently teased me because we've sent them so many new leads and, and so much new business. He's like, the, if you want to find out about Flip2, you can just go and listen to the Fuel Hotel Marketing <laughs> Podcast is what he says. Um, we like that. Thanks. Yeah. But, so Flip2 is great, right? Aggregating consumer content but you can use that photography, not just, you know, the, the photo of Pete that he submitted in his bikini. You don't need to just send that to Pete. You, Jeremy might want to see the picture of Pete in the bikini, right? It might entice him to come in the off-season. So, can this be an image on our... <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can get your Photoshop skills out. Yeah, if anyone wants to send us a, a Photoshop picture of Pete in a bikini, we'd love to see that. 
Um, we can swap it out as the main image for this blog. There you go. That'd be awesome. We'll, we'll vote on the best photoshopped image of Pete in a bikini and send you some swag. <laughs> I don't know what to say. You don't need to say anything. Just rock that bikini. What we didn't tell the, the listeners is that Pete's actually sitting here in his bikini right now. As we this is my business bikini. <laughs> I get Black my... tie bikini? Yeah. That's hilarious. All right. Are we done with that one? I think that was number four, right? No, that was was three. three. That was three, okay. Number four, 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 four. So update. So if you're running Google Ads or Microsoft Ads, um, updating your ad copy with off-season friendly verbiage. So highlighting your amenities and services that you may offer during the off-season. And if you're offering a special offer or promotion, definitely taking advantage of uh, the promotion extension within Google Ads or site link extension in Microsoft Ads. So this is kind of rehashing a lot of the stuff that we just covered and and content changes and changes to your imagery on your site you also need to change your ad copy um, to to do the very same thing and promote similar messages Um, you know one thing that we've seen happen in in campaigns we take over are it might be a cold month let's say it's you know february in myrtle beach and they're still running ad copy that says oh you know come put your toes in the sand and you know yeah. walk on the beach or enjoy the ocean the sizzling no, sunshine it's, yeah. it's 30 degrees outside yeah so just make sure that your ad copy matches up with with the season yeah there's so many times i've caught people like literally promoting sizzling summit summer stays or whatever yeah. it is like some campaign they cutely come up with and it's now past that season whatever it is right and um it again it's it's okay if you wanted to create if you have a summer specific campaign running like summer vacations in your area type of keywords Mm -hmm. and you're still promoting your summer specials because who knows i mean people might be booking for their vacation months in advance but you know in in most cases from what we've seen that's that's not the case yeah know your data right look at the patterns of when people book for what times of year and that kind of leads us into number five. Five, 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 five. So build out campaigns that are market that market off-season friendly amenities. So doing your diligence and maybe doing some keyword research, um, and looking for non-brand campaign opportunities that target specific amenities. So something like hotel with indoor pool in your area or hotel with spa, um, and then using something like Google Trends to identify you know when are people more likely to search for this type of keyword, and then pushing and creating your campaign based off of you know that the time when people are actually looking up those search terms or looking to book. Sure. And when you create that off, off season specific campaign, um, that's when you get to tailor your ad copy even further and, and promote those specials and, and match more closely with the searcher intent. I think if you want to look at a really good example of who does this well, look at ski resorts and yes. how they transition from ski resort to downhill mountain biking to outdoors to to using their mountain for more than just skiing and that's honestly something relatively new that i think that the resorts have really gotten into is when you think about a ski resort there shouldn't really be a off season you should have shoulder seasons but you should have a peak in the winter for skiing and then a nice peak in the summer but make sure that you're changing your marketing to speak to that right yeah, and you know I've even seen properties that go beyond just changing content and photos, and actually changing the entire look and feel and the color scheme of their website based on mm-hmm. the season and what they're really promoting right now. Number six, 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 six. 
staying in the vein of um, PPC, um, building out a cert, uh, building out a season-specific campaign for the location. So something like an like your area in December, or area in October, or something. So you have uh, in your notes here. You pointed out Wilmington. So you now have a uh, Wilmington in December campaign. You're using Wilmington in December keywords. You're using Wilmington in December in your ad copy. And you should also have a piece of content, which I believe is number one, about Wilmington in December. So when all those things match up, um, you're, you're very closely matching search or intent. You're going to have a higher quality score, a lower cost per click on, on all of those type of, uh, of keywords that, that really match what your landing page says and your ad copy. And um, it's just it's, it's a great idea. And once you start getting into those long tail keywords, there's going to be even less competition. You have to imagine some of the big flag properties might not be thinking on this low of a level for, you know, Wilmington in December, but you as the independent property definitely should be. Well, and I think it, here's a really good example of that. And Phil, this is your success story of having two of our client sites appear as knowledge graphs within the search results page for, was it like things to do in October? It was or? like Myrtle Beach in, in February, I think it was. But yeah, we have two of our client sites taking two featured snippets on that yeah. same search result, which is which is great. I mean, it's driving both of those sites a ton of traffic right yeah. now. And it, it is, it's one of those ways where writing the content, people are looking for it, especially with, with that, that consumes basically the whole search results page. Right. That you are pushing your competition out of the way, you're pushing a paid search out of the way, and you own the page at that point. Yeah, it's um, it's it's great for from an SEO perspective, like we were just talking about with the featured snippets. Uh, but also, like I mentioned, with from a PPC perspective, um, you can you can really grab some people that are um, interested in your area for a uh, much lower cost than it would be if you just ran on, say, Wilmington hotels. Yeah, and I, I really want to drive home what you said about it all working together, right? So going back to number one and writing an article that says the top 10 things to do in December in Wilmington and then building the campaigns out to support that content because then you're capturing that organic and you know the paid side of it and then you can also leverage that into the email going back to one of the previous ones so it really think of it from a holistic perspective and make sure that you it starts with great content that's valuable and relevant and useful to the consumer but then pushing that out across every channel that you have all right, moving on. Number seven, 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 seven. So tailor your targeting to locals. I think, Stuart, you kind of touched on this with the email campaigns and finding people or looking at people ge geographically. Um, and, you know, finding people that are already around you and, you know, creating an off-season specific campaign or off-season specific promotion where it's like a locals only type deal and getting people that are already around you and who may already be familiar with you um, to, you know, Drive a booking. Yeah, and I think you can separate the, the the vacationer and the staycationer, right? And we've had, you know, folks that will look at the, the actual local area as in 10, 20 miles within them and, and treat that as a staycation offer. And they've run radio ads and paid ads and newspaper ads and all this stuff that's going to reach the local audience to promote staycation, get away for the weekend in here and, you know, live 
like a tourist for a couple of days. Yeah, and the ones that work work best with that type of campaign are ones that have a fantastic what we what we're just calling off season amenity. Like you have an yeah. indoor water park at your hotel that right. you know people are going to come visit in the winter. You know, maybe your locals weren't thinking about doing that, like coming to a hotel for children's birthday party or something along those lines yeah we had one client that did a really good deal where it was i forget the rate but it was a low rate you know for the off season like 60 bucks a night or something but with that you got um, a 50 dollar game card and a 50 dollar um, restaurant card as well so you could eat at the on-property restaurant you could play in the on-property arcade and they had, you know, the water amen- indoor water amenities too. So it became a great family getaway for the weekend at a very low, you know, very reasonable price. And you were entertained the whole time. But what it did for the property was they saw that it increased participation at their arcade and at their restaurant for folks that live locally that weren't coming to stay as well. It just, you know, it was kind of like a a campaign that built awareness to the locals and they they actually also had a bowling alley and it drove a lot of locals because they allow locals to come play at the bowling alley in the off season so they saw a massive spike in participation because they were running these commercials about staycations and you know what that does ties right back into one of our previous notes here um you're 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 capturing email addresses with these new staycation bookings so you can remarket to them next year around the same time in the off season and say, hey, come back and do it again. Right. And then it has that knock on effect of, um, you know, now when someone they know is coming to the area to stay and they ask that person, where should I book? They're going to be more likely to recommend you. So you've got to make sure you're very ingrained in the local community. And staycations is a great opportunity for that. Great point. Number eight. And I don't know what number eight is. I haven't looked. This is a surprise. Number eight is building content around weddings, meetings, and sporting events. So if your area is a popular popular destination for sports tournaments or maybe corporate meetings, it may be a good idea to look into some keyword research and like hotels with event space, hotels for sports teams or something like that, and build the content or a market or a campaign around those types of search terms. Yeah, we know uh, a lot of our clients will get – you know, company holiday parties happening in their big event space and their, their local companies will, will reach out and, and, and book that space. Um, they'll also book rooms for the night for, for their employees to stay. Um, this is, this is a great opportunity. I mean, uh, we know December is a off season month for quite a few properties, especially in summer vacation destinations. So, um, picking off these, these little one-off, uh, events that are happening. We kind of covered this in number one, but not so specifically. Like we said, the the company meeting or the company um, parties is a great one. Um, winter weddings is a great one, but also looking into um, the sporting events happening in your area. Again, we're going to touch on Myrtle Beach again because we're so familiar with it. We have a, a big basketball tournament that comes here every winter. Inside sport, Lots of teams coming to the area. Get the entire team to stay with your pro- property. Offer them some kind of special or package. Yeah, and you can you can even create your own event. Like I know Marriott for a while was doing. They were hosting TED Talks, like local versions of the national TED Talks. So you could create that. You could find a public speaker that's not that expensive, and you know do a one day seminar. And hopefully you'll pick up some room nights with that, and some catering with that, and some other things. So. I mean, like yeah. a live podcast or something in your event space? Yeah, maybe so. Maybe the Fuel Hotel Marketing <laughs> Podcast can come. 
So I, we are going to do some shout outs at the end, but I, I will say that two of the folks I'm going to shout out from that we met at the Direct Booking Summit offered to host us if we wanted to ever do a road show of the Fuel podcast. So it's definitely something we we need to talk about and, and see if that's something that's you know financially viable, it's going to make sense for us, but would love to do it. We certainly have fans out there that are willing to put us up in, in the off season. And, uh, you know, so we'd have accommodations for free and a location to record. Uh, but maybe we could turn it into more of a, you know, a direct, a direct booking kind of seminar for the local area. That sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's something we toyed with for a while. We, you know, we did the New South Digital Conference a couple of years in a row back in, you know, the early 2000s. But, but that was before Fuel was just hospitality mm-hmm. focused. So it was more just broad digital marketing and very successful. I mean, we had three 350 attendees both times we did it um and uh had some great speakers like scott stratton and, and jay bear and um so it's definitely something we're thinking about so if you if you're listening and you have a location an interesting location where you feel like there's a local community that would benefit from a one-day educational seminar on you know how to drive direct bookings and the stuff that we talk about in the show and would be willing to host us and let us record there at one of the episodes there then you know reach out to us at info at fueltravel.com because it's definitely something we're we're toying with the idea of right now take this show on the road <laughs> i think that'd be fun <laughs> it would be fun but would it be valuable that's the key right would it be valuable to to folks it would be valuable for the four people who came to see us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the fear right we show up and there's like one one groupie and no one else shows up um so was that was that the list? That was all eight, right? That was all eight. Cruise through those eight. Yeah, it must be was, the off season in here. It must be the off season. I, I I like it. You know, we've got a little bit of pushback because some of our episodes recently have kind of gone to the hour fifteen mark, and I've had a few kind of sly comments from listeners saying, you know, around an hour or less is is probably a good sweet spot. You know, hey, we spent like twenty minutes on news this time, so this is a this pretty is true. short. But one it was it was it was it was pretty interesting news. So. Glad we did it. Well, thank you, Jeremy, for putting these notes together. That was really well good. Done, sir. Golf clap. Yep. Very silent golf clap. Um, but we did have some listener feedback. Pete, you want to read that out for us? All right. So this is from Thandy, and it says, Being a small niche company and competing with quickly changing digital landscape, I listen to your podcast and know what I know from it. I find it super helpful, though more aware than ever about the wolf, how I'm woefully behind the times in some cases. Luckily, we have a strong base of supporters who love us and spread the word while we catch up. I'm writing to ask if you know of a PMS system that has slightly more nuanced way of handling inventory, either a layered taxonomy or other option. I'll explain more. The beloved Southwestern Historic Lodge and Vintage Travel Trailer Resort is a hodgepodge of accommodation types, including suites, cabins, vintage travel trailers, RV space, and campsites on on the Long Beach Peninsula in historic Seaview, Washington. Many, or most of our return guests, have preferences of the specific trailer they want to stay in, and we have started off having a one-to-one ratio between unit types and inventory. However, this makes it a bit overwhelming and confusing for first-time guests, or people who don't have a preference because it slows down the, the process of choosing. We just switched to some consolidated unit types and it's still pretty clunky. Any advice? We're currently using WebRes Pro. We've used reservation before and I've reached out to a couple other PMSs with little luck. 
Thanks in advance and come visit if you're in the neighborhood. It's a really small peninsula on the magical PNW coast. Thank you, Tandy. That that was God. great. You, you did a better job writing it than Pete did reading it. But um, <laughs> thanks for the effort, Pete. I, I try. It. Yeah, that was a long one. So basically, they're they're asking about PMSs, and and I think the thing with PMS is in general is you it's a trade off, right? There's no perfect system. We integrate with a lot with our booking engine and our CRM products, but that they all you're trading one set of problems for another. Now, I would say for that kind of eclectic type of inventory, a lot of, especially the newer ones, don't do a particularly good job because a lot of the new web-based PMSs are, are built for the minimum viable product. So they, they do a standard hotel really, really well. But when you get on the fringe cases like this is, they, they don't, they're not mature enough of a product to have those kind of caveats within the system. So I would say, I would look at some of the older systems out there you know, and, and, you know, there's a trade-off in that, you know, a lot of times it's an installed P premise, um, PMS, although a lot of them have a cloud version now, or, or at least one that can be hosted on AWS, you know, Amazon web services or something. But I, the, the two that came to mind, and I'm no, by no way endorsing these, cause we really do try to sort of stay as Switzerland as we can when it comes to PMSs. But one is, um, a product that I know a lot of campgrounds use, and, and so I know it can handle like RVs and, and, and the different sizes of those units in townhomes and all the things that come on a big campground. And that's called Megasys. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. And then um, the, the other one I would say, just because they're one of the, the more mature PMSs and have a lot of features. And they, I know because we integrate with them that they can do both unit type level inventory and individual unit inventory because they have a lot of condotel type clients and that's Springer Miller systems. So those are the two I'd look at is, is Megasys and Springer Miller. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, try to find properties that are similar to you in terms of they're going to have similar challenges and just ask them what, what PMS they're using and what they like about it, what they don't. I'll be honest, I've been in this industry for almost 20 years now. And I've probably met one hotelier that loves their PMS and the rest are always kind of grumbling about something to do with their PMS. So, you know, you're always trading one set of problems with the others. And yeah, I think there's really two questions here. One is when someone actually picks up the phone and calls and is trying to make a booking, that person knows what they're looking for typically, or they're talking to an agent, and they have to walk them through the process. So that's gonna be almost directly within the PMS. However, you also have your web visitor who may not know really anything about your property and they need to have two tracks. One is I know exactly what I want. I want to get there efficiently. And the other one is that shopping process. And that may actually extend beyond the booking engine system. This might make sense in your case to have a section of the website talking about the different types of properties, yep. having your own almost like mini booking engine where it will help the user narrow like down. Like a filter to get yeah, into exactly. the booking engine, yeah. You know, because if, if I know that if if I'm going there and I want to stay in this type of, you know, vintage RV or I just need a campsite, filter down to that section and then from there link deeply into your booking engine so that person can book it quickly. Yeah, and so that's how we've solved it for layer. a bunch of clients that we, you know, we have a handful of different types of properties like that and that's typically how we handle it is mm -hmm. on the cms itself they people can kind of figure out what it is they're looking for and then 
through we just pass in a bunch of variables into the booking engine to just jump into that point where that's pre-selected mm -hmm. so that's that would be my advice and I, I think you know there's not a perfect solution so just you know weigh up your options and, and look and see what what are the trade-offs what can i live with what are must-haves and then you know make a decision from there. if if melissa was here she would say test it figure out what <laughs> run you want to test run two pms's <coughs> yes concurrently <laughs> that wouldn't cause any kind of problems no but it, it, on, on the website you know look at what makes sense you know it does will this work versus you know sending them directly into the booking engine figure that out and, and start laying out some tests you're trying to improve your conversion rate you're not necessarily going to create the perfect mousetrap right out of the gate. Yep. So yeah, iteratively work in that direction. I, I like Stuart's point of, of looking into similar properties yourself, other campgrounds, you know, go through 20 or 30 of them, see what they're using and see if any of those, anything that's out there that, that they're using matches mm -hmm. what, what you feel would fit your needs. Yeah. Your priorities are going to be different than the next property, right? What, what sure. matters to you is going to be different. So, you know, figure figure out what that is, what's most important, and then you know, just go shop between these different ones. So hopefully that answered the question. We'll, we'll again put the links to Springer Miller and Megasys in the show notes. But you know, by no means am I saying you have to pick one of those. There's a there's a lot of systems out there that could probably do the job just fine. And then the final piece of housekeeping today, I, you know, I want to do at some point a kind of recap blog on the direct booking summit, but I'm, I'm just traveling so much. I don't know when I'm going to get to it. So I don't know when I'm going to get to that episode of the show based on, on the takeaways from that show. Um, so I did want to recognize a couple of people because I had some great conversations there at the direct booking summit. And two of them were the ones that I, I told you offered to host us for, for a podcast. So wanted to shout out Terry, Candace. Paula and Pamela, um, you guys rock. I had a good time um, hanging out with you guys at the Direct Booking Summit in Miami. Thank you for being listeners to the show. We really, really do appreciate it. It's people like you that make us do this show so consistently and continues to push us to do a better job each and every episode. So if you guys ever need anything from us, we're just an email or a tweet away. We'll be glad to help in any way we can. And like I said, we're trying to figure out. So Terry and, and Candace specifically are the two that said we should come out to their their properties and, and record an episode. So we're trying to figure that out, guys. We would love to do it. It's just logistics. So maybe that's a 2020 initiative at some point. But we'll be in touch. And thank you for listening. And anyone else that's just tuning in for the first time, you haven't listened to us before, you just picked it up last couple of episodes because of the direct booking summit welcome to the fueligan family we're, we're glad to have you and we're happy to answer any questions you have we uh a lot of times get our inspiration for episodes from you guys the listeners so shoot us an email info at fueltravel.com or hit us up on twitter at fuel travel and we'll do our best to answer those and if we don't know the answers then we'll do our best to find someone that does so guys where can they find you on the interwebs, Pete DeMeo? Well, they can find me on Twitter at P DeMeo, P-D-I-M-A-I-O. Jeremy, you have twits, twits now, don't you? I do. I have some tweets. Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Jeremy, R-A-Z-O-O-K. The Razooka. The Razooka. And Philip. You can find me on Twitter at pfariska, P-F-O-R-I-S-K-A. You can find me at Stuart Butler. Again, you can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. But then if you don't want to be on the Twitters, then you can just send us a good old-fashioned email, info at fueltravel.com. You can get the notes to today's show at fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 125. 
And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. All right, this is me testing. So there's a stat of the week on here. Are we actually doing a stat of the week, or does that need to go away? I'd like to do the stat of the week because it's funny to hear you. Yeah, we can do it. That should be the ending of the (laughs) podcast right there. (laughs) I think we got our ending. That fits for Uh, November. Stat of the week. (laughs)